This is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation. Hello, this is Phil McKinney, and welcome to Killer Innovations. It's a show about your ideas, your innovations, and how do you bring those to market. This week, I'm going to take a step back and do a, kind of an end-of-year look. Now, coming up the first week of January is the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. I go every year. And years ago, when I used to write my column for Forbes, I used to do this kind of December prediction of what people are most likely going to see at CES. Now, many cases at CES... Um, the, the show, there's a lot of new announcements of new technologies, new innovations. And so in many cases, it's just a raw guess on my part. Um, and if you listen to the show two weeks ago, we had Kim McNichols on. Kim was a reporter at Forbes who I've known for, for many, many years. And, uh, we got to talking about this old sequence that I used to do where I would blog about what was at CES, we would go to the Consumer Electronics Show, and then Forbes would actually have a video crew follow me around, and I would pick out four or five interesting companies at the show to kind of highlight non-obvious technologies, not the you know the stuff coming from the big names, but things that were coming from the, the non-obvious uh, suppliers out there. And so this, that conversation two weeks with Kim kind of spurred me along to say, hey, you know, maybe I ought to do that again. So that's what this week's show is all about. So we're about two weeks out for the uh, Consumer Electronics Show. It's always the first week of January in Las Vegas. In fact, it's the largest show of the year in Las Vegas. So that tells you how big this show is. And so all of the major consumer electronic vendors are there. Everything from the big name guys down to you know little itty-bitty two-man shops who've got some booth way in the back corner of the convention centers. So what I'm going to talk through today in the three, first three segments of the show is the first segment here, I'm going to talk a little bit about technologies that have been around for a while. You've all heard about them, but they're still going to be pretty hot um, at the show this year. Secondarily, it's kind of ones that were kind of maybe new last year, but I think they're going to be continuing to be interesting. And then in the third segment, the new stuff, the things that have, have not been at the show, have not been discussed. And those things that I think are going to be really interesting. Now, why is the Consumer Electronics Show so interesting? And that is because it tends to set the trends for what is going to be the hot technologies for this year leading into Christmas next year. Now, it's a little strange, right? We're just going to wrap up Christmas. You go to the Consumer Electronics Show, and that's going to set the trend for the next Christmas. So that's really why people so focus on what happens at CES and how they use it into their own planning. And this could feed into your own ideas on, on your innovations that you're thinking about that you want to bring to market. So what are the things that have been at Consumer Electronics Show that maybe have been around for three, four years, but are still going to be interesting? Top of mind is going to be 4K. The big, you know, four times the resolution of that HDTV set that you've got in your living room. Now, 4K has been around for a while. Everybody thinks that it's all about resolution, kind of like, you know, digital cameras. The more pixels, the better. But in reality, consumers have not rushed out to buy 4K sets. There is going to be a twist this year. We already saw products in the market this year for Christmas, but I think next year it's going to become much more prevalent. And that is around what's called Ultra HD. 
Now, Ultra HD is not about resolution, but about color. How do you increase the color palette on TV displays? And we saw it this year. In fact, I was just at a, at a Costco warehouse store in Washington, D.C., and I saw a 50 or 60-inch 4K set, Ultra HD, meaning it's got the expanded color, for less than $2,500, which is like an amazing price because that would have cost you $25,000 two years ago. So this year, you're going to see all the big names, Samsung, LG, Sony, um, you know, Vizio, all of them are going to be out there with 4K sets. But it's all going to be around Ultra HD, or some refer to it as high dynamic range. It's really around the color palette and the breadth of that color palette. And when you see an Ultra HD set with great color, great dynamic range, it stands out. You will notice it. So I think that's what we're going to see. So I think 4K still has some legs, albeit it's been around for now four years at the Consumer Electronics Show. But this is really going to be around the color space. Next is, is wearables, right? We, we've got the Apple Watch. Um, I did a video ooh, four years ago now at Consumer Electronics Show for Forbes where I actually showed off MetaWatch, which was the very first guys. These are all the, the guys who did the smartwatch work. They were the CTO for Fossil and, you know, Bill Geyser and that team. In fact, Bill's been on this radio show, so you can go back and listen to Bill's, um, you know, interview on Killer Innovations. It's in the archive. Um, and you can hear him talk about um, smart devices. And I think they're still going to be around, but I think they're getting a little bit long in tooth. It's less about the wearables as it is, are you really going to change the way you operate? You know, how dependent do you become on a wearable? And there's still some technology challenge, such as how often do you need to recharge your watch or your Fitbit, um, your you know medical device, your monitoring, whatever that is. So I think, you know, wearables are still going to be hot, but I think they're kind of getting long in tooth. It's five, four years now, really, since, uh, you know, they kind of were the weak signal early into the market. Third is autonomous cars. Three years ago, four years ago, there was maybe one car manufacturer there showing off, you know, a smart, an autonomous car, um, connected car um, kinds of technologies. This year, based on the list of attendees, everybody is doing it. In fact, of the seven keynote speeches at, at CES this year, two of them are CEOs from car manufacturers. So if that doesn't tell you how important the, the next generation of smart cars, autonomous vehicles, connected cars are going to be, think about that. Out of seven keynotes over the Consumer Electronics Show, two of them are going to CEOs of car manufacturers. So I think they're still going to be important. I think you're going to see more of the mainstream car manufacturers coming into play. Next is healthcare. Now, healthcare has always had a prominent role at the Consumer Electronics Show. In fact, they have it in a separate venue where they just bring together all the companies that are working in the healthcare space. Now, I'm passionate about this space. You know, in my previous life, I actually had um, the research team that developed healthcare, developed technologies for customers with special needs. Um, we did a lot of work on accessibility technologies, et cetera. So this was an area, you know, albeit it was never, a, never about making money. It was more about serving the needs of our customers. But it's one I'm also personally passionate about, you know. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you've heard me tell the story about my parents. 
both had severe medical issues. And I, that's what kind of really got me digging in deep into the healthcare space around what's the role of technology. So if you're interested in healthcare, CES is actually a great show to kind of see what's new and what's coming with regards to technologies that will allow you to age in place in your home, be able to um, monitor family members, be able to better take care of family members so you don't have to put them in a, a rehabilitation facilities, more technologies coming into the home that lets you live a longer life where you want to where you want to live. Now, some of these technologies have been out there. Healthcare is notorious for having very, very long adoption rates, but that CES is also just a great show. So I think healthcare is still going to be prominent at CES, but it's been around for a long, long time. And then last is robotics. Robotics are one that I think are going to eventually become pretty prominent. But my question is, is when do we get beyond kind of the robotic vacuum cleaner? Right? We've we've seen that. We've you know it's been in the market for quite some time. We've seen robots being used in schools, and then you got uh, first robotics, uh, Dean Kamen's competition for students to develop robots to solve certain challenges or tests as part of a competition amongst middle school and high school students. But when does robotics really start to kick in? And I'm hoping this year, albeit robots have been around for a long time, that we really see kind of an evolutionary step up of what is that robotic can really become from that standpoint of what uh, really turn them into kind of a help aid rather than just being a gadget or a cute little thing you buy at Christmas in order to uh, give somebody, uh, you know, a kid a fun toy at the holidays. So again, 4K Ultra HD, wearables, autonomous cars, smart cars, connected cars, healthcare, robotics. These are ones that have been around for a long time that I think are still going to be pretty prominent in at the Consumer Electronics Show. So as we go to this commercial break, when we come back into the second segment, I'm going to talk about some more things that I think are keenly interested for the show, but are much more in the near term, things that are coming in. So stay right where you're at. We're going to come right back after this commercial break, and we're going to talk about some of these newer technologies. They were at the show last year, but I think that are still very prominent for this year. So stay right where you're at. We'll be right back after this commercial break. You're listening to Killer Innovations, and I'm Phil McKinney. Talk Radio. This is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation. Welcome back to Killer Innovations, where our show that just looks at and talks about innovation and creativity and how to take your idea and turn those into real products, real services that you can bring to the marketplace. We're talking this week around the Consumer Electronics Show, which will be coming up here in a couple of weeks. And I use the CES show really as those weak signals. What are those new trends that are emerging that are something that I should be aware of from the standpoint of product services, technologies that could impact me, the companies I, I, I'm working with, companies that I'm an investor in. So 
We're picking up in the second segment of newer technologies that have been at the show last year. and They've become kind of really hot, meaning you're seeing a lot of press on them. And what, are they, what do I think they're going to show this time around at Consumer Electronics Show this year? Now, top of list for me is the virtual reality. Now, virtual reality has been around for decades. Um, started off as a military technology used as a training aid um, even back into the Apollo years of putting the man on the moon. Now, they didn't have the goggles at that time, but they created these kind of simulated environments. Since then, we've seen the VR goggles or the virtual reality goggles. You know, Google acquires Oculus Rift. Samsung has their effort. And now there's literally dozens and dozens of manufacturers. But last year, it was all about the goggles with kind of sample content. This year, it's not going to be about the goggles, I don't believe. I think it's going to be more about the content than the content experiences. And this kind of lays into a typical adoption problem with innovation, and that is when you have a dependency on something you do not control for the acceptance of your new thing, that's a problem. In the case of the virtual reality, the goggle manufacturers are out there building the hardware that's going to strap onto your head that gives you this experience, but they're dependent on content. How do you get good content created because it's the content that you need in order to sell the goggles that you've now manufactured. So I think what we're going to see this year at the Consumer Electronics Show is going to be all about that content experience. You're still going to see a lot of goggle manufacturers. But what I'm really looking for when I get on the show floor this year is I'm going to be looking for, do I see a tipping point in new content that really creates a really compelling and exciting experience? Now, Virtual reality, or what some refer to as 360 content, so that you strap the goggles on, you can look up, you can look down, you can completely turn around in a circle, and you feel like you're in the space that's projected in the image that you're seeing. And it tracks your head movement, it moves the images across the, 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 the display that's in front of your eyes. Now, the key there is, is that there's some experiences that you can actually record and put into that experience that are great. For instance, I think sports is going to be a phenomenal experience. You take a 360 camera, you put it at the 50-yard line, about 15 rows up, and you stream that to hundreds of thousands of, of VR headsets. Now everybody feels like they're literally sitting at the 50-yard line. They can look to the left, look to the right. They can look down and look at the players on the bench during you know, a lull in the play. They can look down and see the person who's painted half their body blue, the big fan. You have the, literally the ability to look around and feel like you're in the stadium. So I think sports is going to be uh, one of those content areas. I think also it's going to be travel. You know, We've done some testing in my current role where we've sh we show some travel content with a, a mother elephant and a baby elephant in front of uh, in a 360 experience, and it rates off the scale of people who really like it. So I think what we really need is that we need that 360 content to really be the tipping point for that virtual reality experience. So like I said, it's not going to really be about the goggles. It's really got to be about the content. And what I'm going to be looking for when I'm on the show this at the show floor this year is do I see kind of that someone really getting the content right? And when do I think that starts to accelerate? Because without the content, you're not going to sell the, uh, the goggles. The goggles will be great for gaming, and it, it'll turn into a niche solution. 
we need mainstream content to really make that that go. So jury's still out on virtual reality, but this year it's really going to be about the content. And what's interesting is is content. It may not all show up at the Consumer Electronics Show. There's a second show later in the season called NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters. And that's where people who produce the TV shows, people who produce movies, um, et cetera, all go to the NAB show. And that's really what I would call more of a content kind of show. So it may not see content at CES, content may be at NAB. So if you're interested in, in the virtual reality space, you're working on an idea or a technology or a solution or an approach to that market, you want to watch CES, but you also want to watch the NAB show to see what's coming out. Now, second for me in kind of newer technologies that are starting to get a lot of buzz is Internet of Things. And this is basically kind of a, a buzzword banner that's attached to any non-type of media, PC, TV kind of a device that connects to the Internet. So... Um, a Nest thermostat controller connecting to the internet, a, you know, a video security camera in your living room that streams you video um, of what's happening in your house, um, smoke detectors, um, smart sprinkler systems in your yard, um, the weight scale in your bathroom that, you know, tells on you that you ate the chocolate cake last night and you put on an extra quarter pound. Those Internet of Things, you're going to see more and more of those kinds of devices. And really, it boggles the mind at how many different kinds of devices people are looking to attach to the Internet. We're seeing smart garage door openers, um, like I said, uh, you know, sprinkler systems, smoke detectors, coffee makers, refrigerators, um, all kinds of these kinds of devices. And we're just going to see it. The problem in the industry, though, is, is that there's different groups or different consortiums, and they're not compatible with each other. So... My hope this year in the IoT space is, seeing at the show, is some of these consortiums coming together and standardizing how they work together because that's what's, gonna, that's what's holding up consumer adoption. The third area is collaboration. We've all seen Skype and, you know, done video conferencing with our friends and, you know, uh, uh, all kinds of different, if you, depending on your work environment, what you have in your office. But we're seeing a next generation of collaboration. You're seeing things like what Zoom.us has done with just the high-quality video and the high-quality audio. And just for full disclosure, Zoom.us um, actually makes available to this show a version of their software that we're using and that we're experimenting with for some, some work for next year for you, the listeners. So uh, just, just full disclosure. So, again, virtual reality, Internet of Things, and I think this next generation of collaboration, how people work together, how families connect together, is going to be um, just absolutely incredibly uh, important. So those are kind of technologies that were there last year. I think they're still hot, and I'm hoping to see some interesting things at the CES. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. In the last segment, we're going to talk about technologies that have not been at CES in the past that I think are going to be the big news this year at the show. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Killer Ovations, and this is Phil McKinney. Biz Talk Radio.
This is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation. Welcome back. This is Phil McKinney, Killer Innovations, where we talk about technologies, innovations, design, uh, with the goal of helping you take that idea that's kind of rattling around in your brain and help you turn that into a real product, a real service that you can bring to market. This week, we're talking about the Consumer Electronics Show and why I view that show specifically as a weak signal. It's a way for me to kind of keep my fingers and pulse on the trends that are happening. Now, in the first couple of segments, we talked about technologies that have previously been at Consumer Electronics. Uh, this is an annual show. It's the largest show in the world, but it still brings out some new technologies. Now, disappointingly, in the case of CES, over the years, because the show has become so big, there are fewer and fewer what I would call breakout announcements. So nobody, none of the big guys go there to make what I would call a new announcement. Uh, but what you can pick up there are the trends. Uh, what are the kind of new things? What's are those companies that are stuffed into the corner that nobody ever goes and visits that I think are just kind of really interesting? Now, again, I'm, this is two weeks before the show occurs. The, the show is always the first week of January. So what you're hearing is my predictions of what I hope, what I have a sense for, what I have a feeling of might be there at the show. Now, I don't have any inside knowledge. Um, I don't. Uh, get early release information about companies that are doing things at the show. So you're getting this purely as an unfiltered one man's opinion of what I think is interesting at the show. So in this segment, we're going to talk about technologies that have not been heavily covered at the show. They probably have been there somewhere, but these are the things I think they're going to kind of be the breakthroughs that are going to come out at the show that people are going to be really interesting in. First one up is what I call esports. Now, eSports is not just, you know, a version of, of you know, uh, pro sports like football or whatever. eSports is the term that's used to define professional gaming. So these are the people who play um, World of Warcraft and uh, a Company of Heroes on your on Playstations or Xboxes or on your PCs. But rather than just playing it sitting in your living room or your bedroom, you're actually paying it in large venues to the point where you actually get sponsorships and you make money as a professional athlete. Now, this has been going on for quite some time. It's very prevalent, for instance, in Korea. In fact, I don't know, it's probably got to be eight or nine years ago. Um, in fact, there's an old, 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 old show back from back then where I was in Pusan, Korea, watching a, a professional gaming competition occurring in this just massive stadium 30,000 fans watching the game um not meant not counting everybody who was online watching the game being streamed um and it felt like you were at a rock concert slash pro football game with the excitement the energy the cheering the fans team colors etc now esports though has really broken into the foreground uh, back um, oh, a couple of months ago on this show, we interviewed Raul Sood, who is the CEO for Unicorn. Now, Raul's got a long history in the gaming space. He's the founder of Voodoo, um, actually worked for me um, in my previous role. Uh, he was my CTO for the gaming business unit. 
He went on to Microsoft and became part of the Microsoft Xbox team. And now he's this, and then he founded Microsoft Ventures. So he ran the venture capital side of Microsoft, and now he's the CEO of Unicorn. Unicorn's all about taking advantage of this esports trend and making it available for gambling. So you can bet on esport, professional esport competitions. Now, what's interesting is, is we've seen this just absolute explosive growth in the esports this year on a global basis. In fact, at a recent um, championship game competition, the amount of viewers, both in the stadium and online worldwide, started to approach kind of the scale of a like a Super Bowl. I mean, that's how popular this has become. Uh, EA this week just announced that they're going to go big into esports. So that's a new announcement that they've made public ahead of CES. So I think esports is going to become a, a big announcement and become a big part of the Consumer Electronics Show this year. So stay tuned. You're going to want to watch this um, and figure out if there's a play with whatever idea you got rattling around in your head to take advantage of that trend. Second, for kind of new technologies that have never really been big at the Consumer Electronics Show, and that is advertising. Now, I can hear everybody going, oh, you got to be kidding me. Advertising? You know, what? You know, look, I, I hate ads as it is anyways, and I felt like, uh, you know, TV ads and, you know, in, you know, and every social media site out there now is showing ads at me. I don't like advertising. What we're seeing, though, is a shift in the technology. How do you get smarter about the ads? How do you do better targeting of the ads? Where can you embed ads in effect into the hardware technology? So you kind of circumvent the traditional advertising model where ads are created and they're sold to broadcasters. The broadcasters stick them in and you get them or they're stuck in on your um, on, onto your browser or ad blocking. So how do you get to the point where you either can skip the ad or you can suppress the ad or you can block the ad or you can prevent the ad from even getting loaded? But there's a there's a trade-off. For me, is if you can do better advertising and deliver me a better ad, I actually might be interested. If you figure out what I'm really looking at in a more intelligent way, then maybe the ads are actually valuable to me versus you're showing me an ad for something that I would never buy, and it's an, and then you, you, you're getting into the annoyance factor. But there's a whole big push into this advertising, including, you know, what is the role of big data, and how do you make th those things available to small e-commerce companies, as an example. So how does a small one-man shop be able to take advantage of this advertising rather than just buying AdWords on Google uh, or whatever? So... I think advertising is going to start to come into it into a new uh, next generation. Um, advertising has never been a big play at the Consumer Electronics Show, but it's the economic engine that drives the internet. Everything that you get for free is really fueled and funded by the ads. So you may not like the ads, but the ads are what funds your ability to get access to all these applications for free or at some reduced cost. So I think we're going to see some big shifts, changes, economic modifications from the standpoint of how do you make those ads better, more targeted, more valuable, and therefore continue to fund these new kinds of technologies, these new innovations, these new social networks, these new applications um, in a better way. 
So stay tuned. I think advertising is going to be a hot one this year. And then third is security and privacy. We've seen all the headlines of stolen credit card information and things being hacked and you get your notifications that you have to go change your password, all those things. The key here is, is look, we, we, I, I started off early, early in my career in biometric security, fingerprint scanning technologies of how do you secure your PC, your laptop, uh, back then even mainframe computers by using your thumbprint. And I got frustrated in the security space because as I built better technologies, some schmuck out there built a better lockpick, you know, and they would figure out a way to get around it. And you'd patch it and build a better one, and then they would come back and they would hack it. And it was just this non-ending. Well, guess what? It's not changed. You know, we're 30 years later, we're still facing the same issue. So I think, though, that there's enough consumer interest now in security and privacy that there's enough um, innovators out there who figured out that, that the timing is now to come up with solutions that consumers can have confidence in that's going to raise the bar on for them to control their information, maintain that privacy, protect that information, um, rather than every month having to get a new credit card or go around and change the 30 passwords on the sites that they use, everything that we've all been going through for the last couple of years. So I'm hoping, <laughs> even if it's self-serving, it's a step-up improvement on the security and privacy side. So again, in this segment, we've talked about the esports. That's going to be, I think, huge this year. Advertising, there's a fundamental shift and change in the business model and approach to advertising. And then the focus on security and privacy. How do we change the game in such a way that as consumers and even as businesses, I get a higher level of security such that I can I, I step up as far as the things that I can do to protect myself by the use of products and services made by others. So hopefully you found this useful over the over this part of the show from the standpoint of technologies that are old, technologies that were new last year that I think are going to still be hot, and then the new shows or the new uh, content for uh, or the new technologies for this year. So stay tuned. We've got a killer question this week. It's one that focuses on kind of a futures view also. So we'll be right back after this commercial break. You're listening to Killer Innovations, and I'm Phil McKinney, and we're on the BizTalk Radio Network. BizTalk Radio. is Killer Innovations, a show about ideas, creativity, and how you can innovate. Welcome to the Innovator's Garage, where you learn to create your next game-changing killer innovation. Welcome back. This is Phil McKinney, and you're listening to Killer Innovations. So this segment, we always go through what I refer to as a killer question. This is a question that's designed to cause you to think about your idea, your product, your company, the nonprofit you're on the board for, whatever, to think about it differently. These are questions that are not simple yes, no answers. They cause you to kind of have to dig beyond, dig beyond that obvious answer and look to see if you can come up with new ideas, new approaches, new thoughts about how to uh, step up your game. So 
it's what I refer to as exercising your creative muscle, right? You know, look, you know, we, we all get somewhat lazy, right? Um, you know, you know, I used to be a, a big rock climber. I was a big soccer player in high school. Um, needless to say, I'm not rock climbing and I'm not a soccer player these days, right? We, you know, we all tend to kind of back off and, and slow down. But just as if you were to wake up tomorrow and say you wanted to go run a marathon, you're not going to hop off the couch and go run a marathon right away. You're going to get off the couch. You're going to walk. Then you're going to walk a little faster. You may do a little jog. And then eventually you work up to running. And then you get more miles. And then eventually you can do a marathon. The same applies to your creative muscle. If your creative muscle has been in couch potato mode for many, many years, you're not going to jump up off the table and be able to come up with these just brilliant ideas and drive um, a, a breakthrough innovations. You've got to work your muscle. So these killer questions every week, go back, listen to them if you're, if you're relatively new to, li to a listener. We do these in the, in, in, on the, at the end of every show. So go back and, and listen to them and use them as a way to exercise that creative muscle. So what is this week's killer question? The question this week is, what products and services will I need to develop and offer to stay ahead of my competition in the next five years? So what products and services will I need to develop and offer to stay ahead of my competition in the next five years? Now, think back, you know, as far as even in your, your current role or companies that you've been involved in or even companies you are a consumer of their products, right? Companies that you get excited about are ones that continuously are coming out with new products, new ideas, right? There, you get that anticipation. You, as an innovator, you want that. You want to constantly be thinking about what's next. So let's go back into the 50s. So on October 4th, 1957, Russia launched the beach ball size satellite Sputnik, right? It's about the size of a beach ball, which orbited the Earth, you know, just about every 90 minutes or so. Now, the previous front runner in the space race, the United States, was now runner-up. Overnight, the Russians launched this, um, and then all of a sudden, the U.S. went from being number one to being the follower. Now, in this case, they didn't just put it up there and put up this little satellite that beeped. They trounced us, and it seemingly out of nowhere. It was totally unexpected. Didn't have any foresight that they were going to do this. And then... Icing on the cake is a month later, the Russians sent up Lakia, which is a small terrier. It's a, it was a stray dog that they picked up off the street, stuffed it into a rocket, and put it up in Sputnik 2. So the dog became the first living creature sent into space and an instant celebrity back on Earth. Now, the Sputnik moment ended up being a huge benefit for us, though. We used Sputnik as the rallying cry. Now, the U.S. government was shocked and embarrassed that Soviet Russia managed to beat us into space. And President Kennedy retaliated by greatly increasing the funding for space travel. And in 1958, NASA was founded, and the U.S. has led the overall space program ever since. Now, we all need Sputnik moments. Now, in the case of President Kennedy in the Sputnik moment, is Kennedy stepped back and created what I refer to as a BHAG, bold, hairy, audacious goal for the U.S. And what was that BHAG? The BHAG was, we will put a man on the moon and return them safely before the end of the decade. 
before the end of 1969. That BHAG is what drove the program that eventually put Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on the moon. Now, we all need Sputnik moments. Yes, they can be alarming, but they can be incredibly invigorating, incredibly motivating to your team. Now, a Sputnik moment is the catalyst for change because seeing your enemy get ahead is the greatest motivator there is. Having an enemy is key, in many cases, to driving innovation teams. It makes you see that you have to seriously improve your game if you want to win. Now, a Sputnik moment makes you realize that if you don't change, you're going to get left behind and soon. You're going to be further and further behind. And in some cases, you have to go almost, I hate to say it, but artificially create Sputnik moments. Find that enemy. In some cases, when you achieve and you become the number one in your market, the number one in your segment, that may not always be a good thing because you will tend to start to relax. You will back off. You will say, we've achieved. You've always got to be thinking about what that next target, what that next enemy is. Now, I've had plenty of Sputnik moments in my career. In the case at HP, when I took over as CTO, we were number four in market share in the PCs. We were losing billion dollars a year. Easy motivator. And that team took it to number one in the market share and was making two and a half, three billion dollars a year in profit. So in this case, what are your sparking points? What future predictions can, can you make based on the innovation rate for your industry? What are the things that are changing in your industry? What decisions would you make today if you knew that rate of innovation would double, meaning it would accelerate? What impossible idea have you been ignoring because it can't happen? And what would you need to be done to make it happen? And that's what the Russians did when they said, oh, we can't put anything up there. So get your notebook out. Spend your 10 minutes a day. Exercise that creative muscle and see what ideas you can come up with. If you want to get connected with Killer Innovations, just text us the word INNOVATE to 33444. If you're outside the U.S., visit KillerInnovations.com INNOVATE. Go over to KillerInnovations.com. All the show notes are there with links. Um, also, the entire show archive. And go over to BizTalk Radio and check out all the great shows here at BizTalk. If you know of an innovator, stories you should hear, drop me a note at phil at KillerInnovations.com. This week's show is being engineered by Brandon. Always a big help. I'm Phil McKinney. Don't let the innovator critics get you down. Keep on innovating, and we'll talk with you next week. Bye-bye. The opinions you hear on BizTalk Radio are those of the hosts, callers, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of this station, BizTalk Radio, its management, or advertisers. The information on BizTalk Radio does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or service. If you have any questions about BizTalk Radio, contact us at 817-274-1609 or at biztalkradio.com. BizTalk Radio. 